this bonus episode of the 9420 podcast, where today we'll be talking all about the pandemic that's going on, how it's affected the music industry, and exactly what you're going to get out of us as we launch the 9420 podcast. So good evening, everyone. Uh, I got Carl Alaco and Greg Riggle here with me. Um, I, myself, Hi, am Nicole. Nicole. Hi, I'm Nicole Hoagland, and we're going to dazzle you with our knowledge that we have of what's going on in the music industry with the pandemic that's going on and how we, as us three people, are going to be different. Is that do correct that. English? As do us that. three people? It doesn't. Do that again. Oh, yeah. Hold on. After she we, said that. We have sound effects badly. now, people. There you go. <laughs> so so basically, this is going to be the Greg Riggle. We're going to argue with Greg Riggle podcast. We're just going to let Greg Riggle talk, and I'm just going to argue with him. So you, you can start, Greg. Go well, ahead. The reason, as you know, the reason I agreed to do this is because there's going to be a new Greg Riggle out there in um, – in the marketplace, I'm actually going to be opinionated, and I'm going to um, try to win people over with my um, with my personality. So, and there's going to be a new Carla Laco. I'm going to be agreeable and just you know nice. That's a so lie. This, gonna, is, gonna... this is just not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. No, so how are you guys doing? I'm up here in New York City, which is kind of supposedly, you know, one of the epicenters here of this, it's kind of, you know, personally, I'm not that affected by it. You know, just got to wait online to go to the store. But, you know, the main stores are open for me as far as, um, you know, just getting food and stuff. And, and uh, you know, you know, the, the city's pretty quiet, but I work from home anyway. So personally, I'm not that, you know, readily affected by it. But it's it, it, it's really kind of getting eerie here, though, now. You know, um, subways are basically halted, you know, um, buses are really not really running. You don't see many yellow cabs, um, you know, so it's, it's kind of a weird time here in, in Manhattan. I'm, um, I'm intrigued by that to some degree because have you ever seen those videos that people shoot? Uh, a lot of them are on YouTube. They're like forgotten places or abandoned places and mm-hmm. uh-huh. abandoned muse, uh, amusement parks and things like that. It's like, I don't know why, but I, I'm just drawn to that stuff. And I, I will watch that stuff for hours on end. And it's just, um, you know, it's all, it's just, what is it? Uh, dystopia. Um, so the point I, the point being, maybe we're going that direction. There are probably a lot more abandoned places now than there than there have ever been, you know. But uh, I guess people well, I, will be fine. I think I think what this kind of does, you know, as a society, it kind of it crystallizes, you know, necessities. You know, what's really important. You know, um, what do you really need to survive? You know, what do you really need to do? Um, I don't know. I have, a, I have a very cynical view of all of this. I don't think that the people the people that needed to be introspective after something like this occurring, they won't be. Uh, and the people that sat around and worried about uh, the human condition, um, they're even more on a ledge now. So uh, that's that's my take. I'm I'm pretty cynical about it all. 
We basically just entered the Hunger Games. So that's kind of what you were describing, Greg, in the dystopian stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's bizarre. I think that um, I'm... I don't have to cut you off, which I do, I do a lot. But, you know, but knowing how society is, you know, as soon as we can, you know, we're in the Hunger Games now, but we're going to go back to Weekend at Bernie's as soon as we can, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> people are just people and they're going to want, you know, their stupid stuff. And Well, yeah, know, I think there is some thing to be said for the fact that you know will consumerism will will the rampant con- consumerism that we live in and and the and the um extraordinary degree to which capitalism has taken over everybody's life i mean will will there be any impact on that will will people realize that they can get by without you know an eight dollar cup of coffee every morning i mean i don't know i don't know the answer i'm just uh, anyway, let's talk about Nashville and country music. That's what the, we're supposed to be about, right? <laughs> oh, really? No, we, I didn't. Apparently, think apparently. <laughs> well, what I, wanted, what I wanted to talk about was I wanted to talk about you know some of the people that passed because of this, and one of them, legendary John Prine. And uh, I'd, I'd like you to talk about that more, Greg. Because to be honest with you, being a New Yorker, I gotta admit this: I, I know of his of his uh, his stature in Nashville as a writer, and I get some of his stuff, but I kind of missed out on him. Yeah. Personally, I, I never really got to experience much of him, you know. Like I, we talked the other day, he's more like you said, the the Southern Dylan, you know. And, and I, you know, so well, I, I think that he explain to me why you know he is who he was. I, I think he absolutely. Well, I mean, he came to prominence in a period where you could make a hardcore folk record with beautifully written songs, which were in effect so uh, folk songs. And he came to prominence in a period where the major labels, CBS in this case, uh, they would give people like that a record deal. Uh, right. And so he he beca- he had a, a, a very large following, but it's interesting. Um, he was an extraordinary writer. He was a wonderful person, um, really kind of like a... I've, I've I've read that he's been described as a Steinbeck of of uh, of writers, and I I think that's true uh, of music uh, of songwriters. And but what's interesting to me is that you know over the last thirty years, I mean I I actually had a chance to talk to him on a couple of occasions, and uh, he was just he was just amazing. He was just a force. His intellect, he. He had a sense of humor that was that comes through in his songs. But what's interesting is that I, I have talked to many, 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 many people throughout my career that didn't know who John Prine was. And that that is, it always kind of surprised me a little bit. It's like you've never heard the songs this guy's written. And, you know, you and you and you confirm that for me that it's like, you know, I'm a New Yorker. I mean, it was kind of there was too much going on when in 1971, 72 that um you know i just never picked up on him i missed out you know right and you know he just um if you go back and you listen i mean is it the depth of his simplicity you know what i mean exactly i think it's his stuff his stuff is so like it's almost like simple to the point where it's like so profound you know what i mean well it's it's i think it's storytelling and i've heard him talk about this he he did interviews about how he approached his writing and he liked to be a storyteller, but he also liked to leave 
a lot of room for interpretation in in you know the songs that he wrote if you take a, a song like sam stone which became kind of an iconic ironic or protest song about a vietnam vet that was a heroin addict there's a hole in daddy's arm where all the money goes jesus christ died for nothing i suppose yeah it's like he talked about that song he's like what what could be the most hopeless couplet that i could write that's and a good one I, I just i just google that one line right there and that's what comes up there's a hole in daddy's arms where all the money goes yeah. jesus christ died for nothing i suppose yeah the the coupling of those two things that it's huge exactly that and, says volumes right you're right and, great and, and the other the other thing that that line knocks me out about is you know i always talked when i worked with songwriters always talked about conservation of lyric and you know don't put anything in there that you don't need don't put anything in there that will get in the way and if you look at that first line there's a hole in daddy's arm where all the money goes he could have said there's a hole in sam stone's arm but no, he said, "Daddy." So now we've got to think about. Well, yeah. Well, what, what, what I know, love, like, which as a writer myself, what I love about I know we're going to go on. I think is that I love. It's not the words. It's not the words you write. It's what you. What it makes you think that is deep. Not so much what you say. It's what what you say makes you think about. And 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 he, and he could do that in in so many ways. And through, I mean, the humor is just. I, I would, anybody that doesn't know John Prine, I would suggest they go out and listen to the first three or four albums and, you know, they, they, Very simple to they study, too, like yeah, they, acoustic guitar, piano, exactly. not, not much going on at it's all. It's folk music, man. And it's right. like, uh, but then, I, then they should go out and look for other things that might not come up in the top 25 song called Let's Talk Dirty in Hawaii. Sweet songs never last too long on broken radios. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, yeah, that's a great line. Man, I mean, you could. I mean, these lines just go. Forever. I've just become a fan, man. Goodness. And Carl, I've got to, I've got to clue you in on something about John Prine that you didn't know, and um, I'm, I assume you didn't know. Um, do you know what he did as one of his many uh, vocations before he became uh, a singer, songwriter, artist? I have no idea. He was a mailman. Oh. Why? So, because I was a mailman. You were a mailman. So it was what? So, so a lot of people were mailmen. I, I I did it for a couple of years. I, I, My whole family's mailman. Yeah, I, so. I don't know many mailmen, singer, songwriter, artists. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't. But now you know. I thought too. it was a little bit of serendipity, and you know, yeah, you you should go back and listen. There's some there's some no, amazing. Well, things. you know that you know that that that's really cool. And and you know we got to talk about two real quick. We'd love to play some of his music on the podcast, but we're not going to, or we can't legally and let's let's discuss why let's let's kind of bring out why yeah this is uh you know this has been an issue for um as i think it's a, as- it's, a, it's a good issue it's a good reason like it, you know it, it, yeah. I, we could play the music illegally and probably get away with it but we choose not to and you're gonna explain why well i i think that uh yeah it, it is important to me and i think it should be important to anybody that you know if the premise behind this podcast is that we're here to celebrate the music we love and we're here to talk about the music that we love in the business we tolerate and the business we tolerate exactly so if that's the premise of this you know it would be an unfortunate circumstance if we were to throw up our hands and say you know what it's too difficult to license that music for this podcast therefore we're just going to go ahead and put it up 
Uh, We have to be stewards of copyright because at the end of the day, regardless how difficult it is to license, at the end of the day, we want a penny or two back into the hands of the people that created this stuff. So there has not been in the history of podcasting a licensing process that you could go through easily uh, and actually you know, be given the proposition of having the music in the podcast and licensed, fully authorized. That hasn't existed. So people are working on it. I actually have a a client in my consulting business that I'm working pretty closely with them on this issue. Yeah, we're Um, working with. We're working with. So, yeah, exactly. So um, what we intend to do for 9420 Uh, is we intend to work through that platform. Uh, The company, the parent company is called Source Audio, and the platform is podcastmusic.com. There's currently over 700,000 tracks up there that are pre-cleared and you can use uh, by subscription. And get Uh, paid for them. and, And the creators and the artists, the publishers, the production companies, uh, they're paid. Um, so not, what, what a novel idea. So, you know? the ne- yeah, exactly. So the next step of course <laughs> is, you know, the next step is the rights holders that have aggregated tons of rights, the major labels, the major publishers. The next step is to have them provide podcasters a proposition where you could license three or four tracks of, of, uh, John Prine's music. And, uh, you know, also, be compensated. But to date, that transactional platform is still in development. So, so, so basically moving forward, just let everybody know, all the music that you're going to hear on our podcast was licensed. We have a music license to perform the music on the podcast. That's correct. And and, and those artists would get paid for it, right? Because we want to do everything 100% legal. Yep. And what's right for the artist. Because yeah. I think this, yeah, this gets back to like the artists, you know, you know, I still think... I still don't know what's going on with, with some of these streaming services. I don't want to name names, Spotify, but you know, <laughs> you know how the way it changes and it's, it's, you know, today in this digital age, as you know, Greg, everything can be easily just, you know, tracked or tracked. Yeah. Or so it's, there's no reason why there should be discrepancies. You know, your music should be easily tracked. You should easily be able to get paid. It shouldn't be a big deal, but. You know, but you know what are you going to do? Well, you always—I mean, you always when you when you look into licensing, you always have to be able to determine what the value of the authorization actually is. So, if we put something in a podcast, um, if we put a piece of music in a podcast and we have fifteen downloads on the episode, um, you know, the rights holders is not—they're not—they're not damaged. If we if we put their music in a podcast that has 15 million downloads, uh, yeah, I mean you could start to look at um, uh, the damages incurred by uh, us not having the authorization to use it. Right. So, so, so Nicole, mm-hmm. so changing subjects. <laughs> we get a gunch. Um. Yeah. Cha- oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, I, let's, I like um, that better than mine. Yeah. Let's. Uh, what do you think artists can do right now? We're going through this uh, quarantine or stay-at-home thing. We, what, do you, what do you think we can help tell artists to do to help them keep their career going? What are your thoughts? Well, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, let, some, let, we'll go to town. Some good, some some better than good. Um, so 
when it comes to what the artists are doing now, and we've kind of talked about this, the three of us, a little bit in the past, I think one of the things that the that they're doing right now, and it's so crowded and it's so there's so much noise right now that a lot of the times I feel like artists aren't being able to be seen, um, especially when it comes to doing like Facebook lives and Instagram lives and doing the virtual shows as they would call it. Right. Those things I do not think are doing them any good. Case in point, the Red Clay Strays, who are now doing a COVID relief fund on the Bantwango platform, they were doing the lives beforehand and they were not necessarily generating revenue that way. Lo and behold, they get on our platform and they were already at what, like 22%, I think if I, yeah, 20, 22% of their goal. Um, so I think when it comes to the lives and stuff like that, it it's making sure that when you're doing it, that the content is the quality that your fans want. Um, is number one because you, as yourself and as an, as an artist, you're you're your brand, and if you're putting out content that's crap, um, pardon my French, um, it's not necessarily going to resonate. It just well. gets it just gets polluted. The whole field gets polluted with all these sitting in your living room with you know with your iPhone playing some songs, and you know most of them are pretty much you know amateur. Yeah. You know, so I mean, and, and and with that too, it goes to it'll go to show too just how engaged your audience is too. If they're commenting, if they're liking, if they're sharing, your audience is, is wanting that. If they're not doing that, then there probably needs to take a step back and say, okay, what do I need to do? And the three things that I have seen artists really hone into that have at least had forward movement is one, making sure that you're writing constantly because this is the time and place because you literally can't go anywhere. Um, and whether that's through co-writing sessions that can be done through FaceTime or Skype or um, uh-huh. the application, the we should write some time, or that's a really good way to kind of keep the creative juices flowing. Two, if you're really having a hard time, go to bantwango.com and fill out an application for the COVID music relief funds that we're doing for artists because that's a quick way to generate revenue um, to keep you afloat until this is all over with. And then- And we're we're not taking our full percentage. We're not taking our full percentage. We're taking 1% plus the processing fees just so that we can keep our lights on. But it it helps in being able to keep you afloat and that when this is over with, you have maybe some extra cash to start doing things that you were supposed to do, whether that's getting in the studio on recording or submitting your single to radio or whatever you were supposed to be doing this time. And three, it's really actually kind of taking a step back and figuring out what you even want to do. Um, I've had conversations with artists who they strategize. strategize. They, they don't really know what to do right now because everything got put to a halt so quickly for them and shows got canceled and um, income got got halted based off of maybe some side jobs. So really strategizing on what you want to do and how you want to take your career to the next level. And if you don't know- And then when this is done, then you just put the plan into action. Exactly. Exactly. And learn. A lot of the things that you can do right now, you can start picking up and learning, whether that's another skill or something that you don't think you're extremely good at. Maybe it's guitar skills or whatnot. But those things too is just learning as much as you possibly can because we all have so much time now. What are your thoughts, Greg? Um, I've talked to recently, I've talked to a few artists that I've worked with through the years and, um, you know, they've, they've all run the playbook. I mean, they, they've, they've got good social followings. They've all, um, been very successful at lucrative house concerts. Um, and they've, you know, they basically hit the road at a point in their career where, you know, they would, I think, rather be at home and working on an album and then doing a, a larger tour, but they've had to tour more 
smaller venues in order to um, make the income that uh, sustains them. Yeah, but we're talking about now when they can't do any of those things. So I think that I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of noise. Uh, and quite frankly, most artists were doing Facebook Live long before this um, virus appeared. Um, so what I've been discussing with them is like kind of doubling down on the fan engagement portion of what they've worked on the last couple of years and actually do it in a creative way. So we came up with the concept of find the creators inside your fan base uh, and then contact them about some collaborations. So one guy in particular, I mean, I think he's an extraordinary artist and he uh, he has a lot of creative people that follow what he does. So he's reached out to say, Hey, All right, you were telling send, me, me this, yeah. send me photographs, you know, send, send me, um, some stuff that, that you would, you might want to, like not just music on. you're saying, like, like cross platform, send, like- send me your, some video you shot recently. I mean, send me your poems, you know, send me, you know, so you, you do a creative collaboration with some of your fan base. Uh, and I think that'll make for much more uh, engaging content. Uh, plus, you know, these people at their core are creators. So, it get, you know, it opens up an- another world to you. Um, you know, if you ever were an artist, you know, a lot of a lot of music people and a lot of artists actually paint. Um, you know, so if you. If That's you're an too artist- messy. That's too messy for me. <laughs> I but failed if, seventh grade artist, art, you, so you, there's no. You know, hope I mean, there. you know, put your mask on and and go down to Michael's and you know buy a couple canvases and. So I think the I think those I think those fan collaborations are a good idea. You know, I just had a question that you know I, I think is a good one. I noticed a lot of artists, and they've been doing this not just now, but they've been doing it for like since you know I've been doing Instagram. They do these fan versions or cover versions of hit songs, you know, going and they're out there right now. Are, are they illegally using the, those licenses? Like, you know what I'm saying? Once the song's been released, I mean, anybody can make a, a, a their version of it. You just have to get the 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 uh, appropriate license. Yeah, but I'm saying that I don't mostly. think anyone, no one's getting that license. They're just, people are just on Instagram playing the song and putting it out there. Well, if, 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 if the rights holders have a deal with Instagram that in every time that piece of music appears, regardless what the cover is, then it'll probably pass. Well, do through. they? Do you know but they do? Otherwise, it'll get taken down. You know, so they're never taken down. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just asking you because that happens a lot. You know, what I'm talking about Nicole, right? Yeah. A lot of people like they'll 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 a new uh, Taylor Swift song comes out, and so then you see a lot of new young female artists, you know, will, will cover it and, and play it. You know, and you'll see these full covers of these songs. There's thousands of them, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, well, are I, they I, illegally using those licenses? I can tell. I can tell you that if you do a cover version of something and it's not in content, or rather, it is in content ID, and you don't have the authorization to do it, uh, it'll get taken down off of your off of your YouTube channel. Well, YouTube is pretty much of a, they're more, you know, than Instagram is, I think, quite honestly. Well, Instagram actually lately has been policing where they've actually taken down um, lots of stories that have either had background music in or they weren't using it through Spotify. Or if you were doing a cover and it wasn't necessarily your own, but it was someone who 
had a label behind them, they are actually starting to police that and taking that stuff down. Okay. Those those services um, that you mentioned, um, they are actually, they've started to use uh, a platform out there, an API out there mm-hmm. um, that in effect provides the licensing for 30 seconds use or f- between five seconds and 30 seconds use of popular music that you would choose uh the platforms are actually becoming licensed for that now that's it so let's i think we should you know it's getting kind of we're getting along along now you want to kind of wrap it up nicole well i mean i think this is a bonus episode so for everyone listening get ready because this is going to be in your ears weekly yes this is i need more sounds weekly (laughs) (laughs) um But we're really excited to be able to bring you the artists that we love and and really talk about the business that we tolerate because obviously you can tell we all have our different opinions about certain things. But we're really excited to be able to bring you this type of content. We'll really be able to license the music now and be able to give back to the artists. So make sure that you subscribe, make sure that you download, make sure that you tune in as much as you possibly can. Um, and if you want more, just go to the 94 which is the the actual numbers nine and four twenty dot com to learn more and tune in next week. Sounds good. Is that it? That's bye, it. y'all. Bye. Bye. One last one. One last. <laughs> wow, that's bye, bye, everybody. Used. Bye. Bye.